Hello and welcome to episode number 446 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and I had to turn off the cat's toy to record this, and he is so mad at me. I expect you'll hear from him in a moment. He's so mad. Today's guest is Caroline Perney, who is the publicity manager at Tor. She is going to talk about what books are coming out this year. Now, we recorded in mid-November, so we actually start by talking about carbohydrates, which is what got us through November and December. And we also talk a little bit about genre. But wow, do we have a lot of books to talk to you about. So many books. If you like sci-fi, fantasy, speculative fiction, romance, we've got options. We're going to talk about some books from 2020 you might have missed and what's coming out this year. So get ready. Where will you find all the books? In the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Driven by New York Times and USA Today bestselling author Rebecca Zanetti. Heads up, romantic suspense fans. This is the fourth book in her Deep Ops series, which features a metric crap ton of high octane action and emotionally complex characters. Angus Force is determined to hunt down the serial killer he'd once shot dead, or so he thought. We all know how that turns out. But an anonymous source reports that Lassiter is alive. See? Force hasn't slept since, knowing that it is only a matter of time before the surgeon strikes again. And soon a body is found bearing his maniacal M.O. It's just the beginning of a murderous trail blazing through D.C. and Virginia right to Force's backyard. Nari Zhang is the shrink for the ragtag deep ops unit, though she isn't forces shrink, which is a good thing because once they're thrown together on the case, their attraction is explosive and irresistible. They just have to fight that much harder to keep the heat between them from flaming out of control, which is hard because things are about to become far more challenging and deadly than they could have imagined. You like romantic suspense. You will find a copy of Driven by Rebecca Zanetti wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge, thank you. You are making sure that every episode has a transcript and you're keeping the show going every week so that everyone can enjoy it. Thank you so much for that. Hello to Rebecca, one of our newest members of the Patreon community. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to join, patreon.com slash smartbitches. I love episodes where Amanda and I talk to book people about book things and we just talk about all the different books we want to read. So if you are looking for ideas of what to read next, this episode is going to be perfect for you. So let's do this thing. On with the podcast. Carol, how are you? I'm good, (laughs) I think. Who's to well, say? <laughs> when, we, when, when I first emailed you about doing this um, this podcast, you were like, it was before the election, and you were like, I don't know what kind of state I'll be in the first or second week of November, so let's do it like the third week of November. <laughs> and now we're here, and I'm like, wow, she was so right. I was barely able to use verbs correctly the last two weeks. Yep. Oh my god, I like. I just think about the actual election day when like I knew that there would be no results or anything and I was in a fugue state and just like made like seven loaves of bread and a pie that day and like <laughs> the next day I woke up and I was like why did I make so many carbs guess I better eat them all That's why you made so many carbs I know I know I like looked at a vegetable that Sunday and I was like haven't seen you in a while <laughs> Well, I mean, that was very French of you. 
Well, in you times know. of doubt, make carbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the heart wants what it wants, you know? Right, exactly. Also, Sarah, Linus demands to be let out. So I will of course. be right back. Okay. Okay. Come on, so, <coughs> excuse me. I even have questions. There's all of two of them. Oh boy. I know. So here's a thing I want to ask your, ask your expert opinion on as someone who's worked in romance. Now you are currently the publicity mastermind at tour or one of the publicity masterminds at tour. And you spent a butt ton of years at Avon working on Avon and Harper romances, right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. So I recently was looking at genre designations because you know, the way we describe romance is changing and getting more and more specific. And I saw a collection of science fiction, fantasy, apocalyptic, all of that housed under speculative romance. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. What do you think of that? How do you describe the romances that you work on? So... All right, like, let's just get into it because (laughs) as, like, I feel like a lot of times when I hear authors ask this question, many times they just respond by saying that genre is a fake made up thing that booksellers and publishers use. And I do, I, I do agree with that on some level, like a story is a story and a book is what it is, but we all need like little cues. Like if I feel like eating mac and cheese and somebody hands me like a ham and cheese sandwich, it is carbs and cheese, but it is very different. Like it's not going to scratch the same itch. And that's what we use genre for. So I feel like I appreciate the kind of drilling down in designation that's happening. Like I, I like that we're finding new ways of communicating with readers like if this particular spot in your brain is itchy for for a kind of story this story will will scratch it for you mm-hmm. um i think that's great i think it's it's a double edged sword though it can just be like you know sometimes like it can it can just like bite bite you in the in the ass am i allowed to curse Yes. Are you are you kidding? Please do. <laughs> Thank God. I, it, <laughs> it can it can bite you in the ass though, just because like it's a little limiting. Like it has the um, there's an expression in French, the qualities of your defaults. Like it can be a very good thing, but that very good thing can also be kind of limiting. Yeah, because the like qualities of your defaults. One of the biggest complaints I feel like we see in reviews is okay, well, the marketing copy said it was this, and it's definitely not that. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's also come up a lot with the uh, illustrated covers, which some people call the cartoon covers, that they imply a lightness and a comedic element that that might not be present at all in the book. It might be death and angst and drama and woe, but the cover looks like candy. Right. I think... This is kind of what um, what fandom has done super well, right? Like with the tagging, yeah. like yeah. this is this is where fandom has the edge on all of us. Where I mean, like one of the places fandom has the edge on all of us. Where like you're like, I want a book where there's kissing in libraries, and if that kissing doesn't happen in a library, then so help me God, I'm going to mess something up. But <laughs> like. 
fandom is like, no, 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 we got kissing in libraries for you. What kind of a library do you want it to be? Futuristic, <laughs> Edwardian, we got you. Yes. And I know that there are people in the fandom who are looking at book marketing now and being like, they stole our tags. They are taking our words. Well, I think, you know, because they work, they work, but also there are a lot of people like, I think it's easy to forget that people who work in publishing are also people. Um, So (laughs) there are a lot of fandom folks and like, internet people who like live their lives online and they're like, Oh, well I read this story on archive of our own and the tags really worked for me. And now I'm working on this book that is going to be professionally published. And like, what if I tagged it up? Um, Yeah. But you know, that being said, I will, I will admit that like a thing that's been developed by, um, by individuals for their own needs being co-opted by, a company has, you know, it's, it's thorny. It's, it's a thorny issue. So I guess what I'm saying is I think genre is complex. What? I know lots, lots of hot takes happening here. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you then, let me ask you our first question. It's a super hard one. What were some of the awesome books that you worked on this past year? Because I know this year was hard as fuck for book promotion and release you can't see me right now but i just like shoved my face into my hands (laughs) (laughs) um so once my cat is also demanding to be let out yep cats are like this is too much you are too much today yeah nim was like i don't want to hear you talk about books again (laughs) um (laughs) But so when you had emailed me initially, I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll put a list together of books to talk about with Sarah and Amanda. No problem. And then I was like, oh, my God, there are so many good books. We're going to run out of time. Um, I don't I don't have a time limit. I'm on the Internet. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I mean, I'm running an almost 16 year old blog. Haven't run out yet. <laughs> Cool. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see how long it takes me to make you tap out. <laughs> so, well, I think, you know, I, I think just to like go full circle with our discussion of genre and also um, talking about books that I've worked on, there are books that I think of within the sci-fi fantasy realm that are very much adjacent to romance and that are appealing to romance fans. But because romance um, as a wider genre is very particular with its parameters, I don't think that there are so many um, books that fall like squarely within the romance genre as well as the sci-fi fantasy genre. So for me, one of the books that does fit very neatly within both is Deal with the Devil by Kit Roca. Um, it came out in July in the midst of this, this whole crazy pandemic. And I am obsessed with that book. My like emotional lizard brain pitch for this is what if post-apocalyptic Avengers except sex banging um, but 
let me like paint a picture for you with my imagination brush. Um, the world is a trash <laughs> fire. No way to to visualize that. Uh, and the only way to survive in this post-apocalyptic version of America is by being part of a tightly knit community. The government is corrupt and people have paid the price for it a thousand times over. There are clones, there are genetically enhanced killers roaming through um, a lawless version of our country. And then you have Nina. She's an information broker with a mission and she and her team of mercenary librarians. Yes, that's right. There are librarians, they are mercenaries. It's a thing, they rule. Um, but she and her team of mercenary librarians use their knowledge and their badass fighting skills to um, help the helpless, basically. And they they do things like, you know, grow food for the people in their community. They have like movie nights. They are truly librarians. And that's what's getting people through the world, which I love. Um, but then they meet Knox. He's like a bitter, battle-weary mercenary captain, and he's got a squad of super soldiers who went AWOL to avoid slaughtering innocent people. Um, and now they're fighting to survive. So, like, you kind of see where this is going. Yeah, Knox offers Nina a chance at an incredible score. And, you know, she's really suspicious of it, but she and her sisters have no choice but to, I'm really proud of this, make a deal with the devil. Oh! <laughs> Oh, yeah. I did not see that coming. <laughs> no, how could you? No. Uh, but it's just, it's such a great book. You know, Kit Roka, they're like just amazing, amazing writers. It's an author duo for those who don't know, mm -hmm. although I imagine most people do. Um, but, you know, they're, they're such good writers. They write about found family in a way that just like it'll roundhouse kick you right in the feels. <laughs> and um, they they just like, it's, oh, yes, there is like this amazing, crazy fight scene that you want to see in a movie. And then like after that, they're like, well, what if seduction happened? It's so good. <laughs> that must have been really fun for you to work on. It was so much fun. Um, Brie and Donna, the two parts of Kit Roka, they're amazing. I love them. They're so fun and they do this thing that romance authors do really, really well, which is like they know their readers. They know their audience um, in a way that just like it makes working with them really fun because it means we can be really creative and kind of like branch out. So it was really cool to, to work with them, to talk to their fans and their readers. And, you know, we got to like, do special mailings for librarians and do events with um, with romance authors. Like they did stuff with Alyssa Cole, but they also did stuff with like big sci-fi names like Kate Elliott. Um, mm. And it's like just this perfect melding of genres that I think is really exciting. And book two yeah. comes out next year and we're very excited for that one also. What other books did you work on this year that you want to make sure to mention? And then I want to hear all about the future, because since you work in science fiction and fantasy, um, you're uniquely suited to tell us about the future. <laughs> okay. So, well, I mentioned that Kit Roka did an event with Kate Elliott, and I think that's probably as good a lead-in as any to talking about Kate Elliott, an author that I've been reading since I was like 10 years old. I love her books. Like she's basically like sci-fi fantasy 
royalty, like your favorite author's favorite author, kind of like legit genre street cred. Um, and actually, I told um, Brie from Kit Roca that I was working with her and we both had a fangirl moment together because that's <laughs> like how like monumentally awesome within the genre Kate Elliott is. And she just launched a new series also in July called um, the first book was called Unconquerable Sun. And it's basically gender spun Alexander the Great in space. It's, as you do. As you do. Um, right. It's so good. Like Kate is obsessed with Alexander the Great and knows so much about the history. So like if you're a history buff, you should read it for like no other reason than there are historical Easter eggs in there. And like, how often do you get historical Easter eggs? But like a thing I've always loved about Alexander the Great is that he had this horse that he like, he was like, this horse is my son. Don't ever touch my horse. I love him more than anything. And the horse was named Bucephalus. <laughs> and the spaceship in this is named Bucephalus. So of course it is. Or Bucep- Bucephalus. I don't know how to pronounce things, but you know. Um, so great. Easter eggs. And then like, if you have a competence kink, I know it's like 1030 in the morning, but like, let's talk about competence kinks because like there are some. If not now, then when? (laughs) You know what? Better question. (laughs) When am I not going to talk about a competence kink? The answer is never. Competence is so, um, sexy and seems often to be hard to find in some venues lately just saying like in in real life right exactly don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) no yeah I like I completely agree and just seeing a lot of um femme characters and genderqueer characters in uh unconquerable sun just be like hyper competent is so powerful. Um, the So the Alexander the Great character is named Sun. Um, it's gender spun. So like, you know, obviously there are more than two genders, but gender swapped is not really the best way to talk about it. But now I don't know, we don't have a neat term. But so basically we have Princess Sun and she is just like on this galactic co- like empire conquest. And it's written about so, so well because there there are some pitfalls, right? Like we love a high stakes galactic conquest, except galactic conquest is bad. Like that's colonialism. It's not good. And Kate writes about it all with such nuance. And the people that she's, and she's writing about it from both sides of the conflict. And there's so much like hardcore competence that it just like, it makes me so happy. And that, like, listen, competence kink, space daddy, everyone in space is gay. Like, you, it's perfect. <laughs> I love the idea. Everyone in space is gay. It's like the well, future is polyamorous and a lot more chill. Well, we've discussed about how space is just super horny. Well, yes, Amanda is a firmly of the opinion that space is horny, Earth is garbage. That's true. It's, I didn't think that was an opinion at that point. That's it's the truth. 
It's the truth. I mean, space is horny. Space is queer as hell. It's Earth is bad. Blast my body into space. <laughs> Amanda's with you. I think you could probably get like a group discount. Yeah. <laughs> oh my It'd god! Like a yeah. two two for one deal. Yeah, you want a carpool to the moon? Yeah, sign me Perfect. up. Perfect. I'll bring Great. snacks. I'll bring books. We'll have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, when when this episode releases, there's going to be so many people going, I want to come too! <laughs> well, what was it like at the beginning of, of the pandemic and all the protests and stuff? NASA launched launched a, a, a rocket to the moon or something like that. And somebody tweeted like, congratulations to all of the people who chose to leave Earth today. <laughs> they dodged a bullet. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Big ups to them. <laughs> um, well, on that note, other yeah. great books I've worked on. Um, this So Kate Elliott, Kate Roca, they are definitely, I think, like romance adjacent, like perfect for, for romance lovers. Um, Riot Baby is another book that I'm just so just like honored to have worked on. Their, Ryan Baby won the, was it the Neba Award yeah. for Best Fiction this year? Yes. Um, Riot Baby by Toshi Onyabuchi. It came out in January and it won the um, Neba. It's Northeastern Independent Booksellers Association Book Award. It's just, it's such, it's a, it's a very short book um, and it, it packs such a punch. It's about um, it's about these two twin siblings. They're uh, they're black and they are raised. They start out living in L.A. during the riots in the '90s there, um, the Rodney King riots, and kind of come into this almost like X Men like power. And they come into it in different ways. The the boy Kev he. Um, he gets arrested and incarcerated because well, he's a black man living in America. So the chances of that happening are already upsettingly high. Um, and he kind of tries to tamp down his power. And his sister, Ella, is just like, she's like dark Phoenix levels of power. I don't know if you guys are X-Men fans, but she's like just basically like God tier power and is basically wrestling with the question of like, no one wants to see me. No one wants to hear me because of my race, but I, I have the power to burn it all down. So should I? Um, and it just, it's so powerful. It's so beautifully written. I like, I can't say enough about how incredible this book is. Like if you need to get someone a stocking stuffer this year, like it fits in a tiny little Christmas sock or underneath uh, a Hanukkah bush or just like, you know, you can lob it at somebody and not do too much damage because it's not a very heavy book, but it's so good. Like I highly encourage you to buy like just five copies of this and make it rain, you know, like it's so good. I love the idea of, of, of socially distanced projectile book gifts. Just maybe like pad the corners a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, just, I, I think tie them fair. up inside a bag and seal it. Like, like if I ever send, so if I ever send Amanda books, I always put food in the package. 
And so, but sometimes that. it's it's fucking weird. Like loose <laughs> Oreos in a bag. But I blew up the bag so that there would be padding and the Oreos wouldn't get crushed. She double bagged the Oreos. I was not sure. around. They needed to be protected. I must protect the Oreos. Or like loose Stroop waffles in a bag. Right. I well, love the chaos of that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it sound like the Stroop waffles were running around the package like, ha ha, you'll never catch me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amanda, as soon as you said that like Sarah sends you loose food, I was like, what, like just half a can of beans just poured in in a jiffy? <laughs> I mean, I would not be surprised. Uh, sometimes they're like very bizarre. Like I think I mean, I'll still eat it. There hasn't been anything she hasn't sent me that, like, I won't eat. Um, but it was, like, this weird little, like, lollipop. But it was, like, from an LOL surprise doll on it. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was like, "How? where did she get this? Why did she Japan. have this? Oh, Japan? Japan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. International candy is is key for you know random candy in the. In She's the, also the sent me like fluffy underwear shorts from Japan. What were they called? Oh, oh like boy. the bloomers. Yeah, they were like what... comfort shorts or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. We will be right back with more recommendations, but real quick. I wanted to let you know, this podcast is brought to you in part by Pros. If you have caught Amanda and I on our Twitch stream or anywhere, we've talked a lot about how she and then I have started using the curly girl method to embrace our curly or wavy hair. Now, Amanda's hair is gorgeously curly. My hair apparently is also wavy. And did I know what to do with it when this started happening? No, no, I did not. Pros is the perfect solution for this problem for me. Pros creates custom shampoo and conditioners based on your personal hair analysis and their algorithm. And if you love a quiz, I'm sorry to inform you that Pros' online quiz is superbly fun. It dives into every possible factor that will affect your hair health and includes things like the environment. Like, yes, hello, DC humidity, totally a thing. The quiz also takes into account what I want for my hair. Shiny? More curly? More wavy? What do I do with it? There's no one-size-fits-all with pros because they want to customize shampoo and conditioner to each person. The algorithm personalizes over 50 billion combinations, and they come up with a unique blend of ingredients and products for my exact concerns. And in my case, those concerns are, what do I do with wavy hair and how do I make it do more of that? Not only did I get to choose the scent, which I love, but the shampoo and the conditioner work brilliantly. My hair is more wavy every time I condition it, and the hair mask that goes on beforehand leaves it so soft. I thought I had straight hair. No, I do not. Apparently, I had no idea what to do with my hair, but Pros is totally helping me out here. So if you and your quarantine's hair are on the what is happening with my hair journey, like me, you want to try Pros? I have a coupon. If you are not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Literally, it's on the bottle. Take their free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash trashy books. That's pros.com, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash trashy books for free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. And I wanted to make sure that you know that you are most cordially invited to our podcast after party Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Stereo. If you like talking back to us when we do a podcast, this is perfect for you because now you can. Tuesday nights, 7.30 Eastern. 
Amanda and I are having our after party live on Stereo. All you need to do is download the free Stereo app at Stereo.com slash smartbitches. You'll be able to listen to us live and record messages for us to play during a conversation. Plus, you get to play with a really cute avatar creators and all of your avatars are adorable and I love seeing them. Sometimes we hang out with people we get to know and I would like to tell you what Sue said about us. Sue hangs out with us on Stereo and she recently commented on one of our Instagram posts. You guys make me so happy. It's like talking with friends and then you screech about entirely inconsequential things as though they were incredibly important. Yes, yes, we do. And we want to hear from you so you can be part of the fun because we're going to screech about something inconsequential. It's how we roll. Just go to Stereo.com slash smartbitches and get started so you can join us Tuesdays at 7.30. And now back to more recommendations and book squee with Caro Perney from Tor. What other books for next year you want to tell us about, ma'am? Bring it, bring it, bring it. Okay, so I... I think I'm legally bound by the law of um, myself. I think <laughs> to, like I have to yell at you about Winter's Orbit by Evrina Maxwell. Uh, if Ooh. I just like go, like I'm just gonna go for a little while. Can you just cut that in the final recording of the podcast? <laughs> yes, yes, I can. Um, perfect. Um, this book. Oh my God, this book, this book is, this is it. This book, like <laughs> you just imagine like red, white and royal blue, except in space. And there's like a galactic empire on the brink of collapse. Like it's, it's perfect. It's everything. It's like, it's the perfect comfort read. Um, and it is just absolutely jam packed full of every trope that you want played out to perfection. Like there's only one bed. They're caught in a snowstorm. It's an arranged marriage. It's, it's so good. <laughs> um, so like basically it's after Noble dies in an unfortunate accident, his partner's got to be married off real quick um, to preserve the terms of a treaty. So we have Kien, who's a fun-loving, carefree prince, or, you know, the sunshine one. And much to the his surprise... The likes the sunshine one? The much to one his surprise, he's one. soft on his newly appointed husband, Jainan, um, the grumpy one, who is a duty-bound <laughs> diplomat in mourning. Um, and so Kiem and Jainan are determined to make their new partnership work, even if they're the most unlikely of matches. But a larger conspiracy threatens to shatter their, their pretty tenuous union. So it's basically the story of like, can two delightful cinnamon rolls find true love while uncovering intergalactic treachery and navigating their marriage and wrangling paparazzi and rebellious university students and venomous killer space birds? It's so yes. I feel like you're standing in front of a fandom and are like, and you get a trope and you get a trope and you you also get a trope. I'm, I'm just a girl standing in front of a fandom, handing out tropes and begging them to please read Winner's Orbit by Avrina Maxwell. <laughs> it's, it's just so good. And so this book might actually sound familiar to some of your listeners. It was originally published on AO3 as original fiction called the course of honor and and like you know it's it's been through edits and it's 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 this is a new iteration of it and there's going to be a sequel obviously so like i'm just 
I'm so excited. Like, ah, it's so good. <laughs> if you like need to sip a delightful mug of hot tea that will restore your faith and love in the world, um, this book is how you do that. That's a very tempting promise given the climate of uh, the, the weather and the year. Like that is, that's going to move a lot of people to go, oh, really? Yes, tell me. So it's not based on a fandom. It's original fiction from AO3. It's completely original fiction. But I just, I I love the, the fandom piece of this because, um, you know, for a long time, fandom was where people went when they wanted to read queer stories. Like, yeah, there, there wasn't queer SFF in the mainstream. So now we have so many amazing authors like Evrina Maxwell, like Tanzan Muir, like Arkady Martin, like A.K. Larkwood, just coming out of this space because like they know what readers want because they are those readers and they've been writing for those readers for so long. So right. it's, it's just, it's such a good great amazing perfect book and like it's it sits so perfectly in the space because like like you said there's every trope like you get a trope and you get a trope but there's also really rigorous world building so like if you need to sink your brain teeth into some cool like space politics you can do that but also if you're like but what if they kissed they'll do that too maybe <laughs> I have more books that are coming out this year that kind of span a huge length of time. But if I can tell you about one that's sort of switching gears, but I think you'll be really excited about. Bring it. I would love to hear it. Chosen in the Beautiful by Nevo. It comes out June 1st. Um, Basically, this is... The Great Gatsby told from the perspective of a queer Asian American Jordan Baker. And I sort of feel like that's it. That's the tweet. But I mean, like, I'll keep going. <laughs> so oh. Nevo is just this amazing, amazing writer. Her version of Jordan is a little mean. Daisy is flighty. Nick Carraway is a boy with a lost look in his eyes. And Jay Gatsby's there like a specter, a man without a soul, throwing parties and just like whatever. Um, Jordan is a queer immigrant woman, and she has to navigate life in this world where being both queer, being an immigrant could doom you. And she's got to find her own magic through all of that. So it's it's like there's there's paper cutting magic. There's the story of like the Chinese diaspora. It's basically excavating the toxicity of romance when it's poisoned by privilege. Um, you're going to mm. down this book like a perfect cocktail of bathtub gin and magic. Like every <laughs> sentence is so good. It's going to make you drunk. Me has a way of writing that's epic, but very personal and intimate. And this novel is very, very queer. It's literary. It's lush. And it's, kind of what Gatsby should have been. So <laughs> we're super, super excited about it. I love it so much. And I encourage everyone to look at the cover because it's very pretty. So you're firmly located in thinking about 2021 at this point. Is that like a really pleasant thing to be professionally? You know, 
so this is like a weird thing. We've I, I feel like there's a lot of discourse these days about time dilation and how weird like the passage and the stretching of time is. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're like constantly thinking about the upcoming year, it does weirder things to your perception of time. And publishing works in seasons, in three seasons, largely. Largely, so we have winter, we have spring, summer, and we have fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, we've just launched one season, but now we're like doing the hard work, like the the bulk of the work on the upcoming winter season. But also, we're like putting our plans together for the spring summer season. So, like, you're bouncing around in different sections of 2021 while still being in 2020, except that it's also March 375th right now. So like, it really is. Yeah. Like it's just, it's very, it's a weird thing that has happened to um, my brain. And it's even weirder now. Yeah. So what sorts of things are you planning for these? Well, before I ask this question, are there other book, is there another book or two that you want to talk about? Because I also want to ask you what your plans are for promotion when when the opportunities and locations for promotion are still so both certain and uncertain. So, you know what? I think I have two more books that I Bring it. Like, should really tell you about. Um, the f- next one is First Become Ashes by K.M. Spara. Um, oh, I've heard this is, I've heard of this one. Yeah. So K.M. Spara wrote Docile last year and actually... Um, if you want to talk about a book that came out like right at the start of the pandemic, Docile is it. It came out in March. Um, and it's so, so this is his follow up to that. And it's a little strange to be like, okay, well, this will be book two during the pandemic for you. Um, but it's such a great book. It's basically a great American road trip novel that explores self discovery after trauma and outgrowing abusive origins. Um, and also there are monsters. Before I go too much further, though, I want to like very seriously for a moment point out that First Become Ashes contains explicit sadomasochism and sexual content, as well as abuse and consent violations, including rape. Um, so that is... Thank you for the, the heads up. Yeah, yeah, no, that, I mean, like, I take that very seriously. But that being said, this is a story of a group of people who were raised in a cult taught to believe that pain is power and magic is suffering and that monsters lurk beyond their compound and that they need to be the ones to slay them. Um, But then the leader of their cult gets arrested by the feds and the rest of the members kind of need to figure out how to live in a world without um, their cult, which is called the fellowship. So it's, it's a really fascinating premise. And if you read Docile, you know that Kellen's kind of calling card is that he, Kellen, the author, Kamsbara, um, he grapples with these ultra complex issues really compellingly. And he also uses extremely kinky queer sex as a vehicle for storytelling and also just like, you know, writes a damn good sex scene, but it's a sex scene that's going to make you stop and go, hmm. So I'm, I'm super excited about this one. Um, it's, it's great. And Kellen is a sunshine person, just like the happiest, most delightful cinnamon rolls. So um, down the line, I am sure you will see him on a video Zoom uh, book selling event or two. 
And I highly encourage you to, to attend those because he's just so great, such, such a happy, um, wonderful person. And switching gears almost entirely, the last book I wanted to talk about was uh, Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk. This one's going to be on sale about a year from now. I know that's a super long time away, but I had to tell you about it because okay. this is please this do. Is, that's why this you're is here. your catnip. Um, oh. It's a queer historical fantasy about an uppity librarian with a limited amount of magic who has to work with like a gorgeous himbo aristocrat who has no magic at all. And they have to solve a mystery that could change the future of every magician in the British Isles. And it's, it's very much a case of the sunshine one being soft for the grumpy one. There's flirting in libraries. There's kissing in libraries. There's redacted in libraries. Uh, the writing is so gorgeous. It makes me want to light myself on fire. Like it's so, so perfect and good. Um, it's like achingly beautiful writing. And like she, she understands pining and longing so well. Um, but Freya is basically fandom royalty. She hosts the Be the Serpent podcast and really understands like what, at, like how to draw out that perfect like angst and anguish of courtship. It's beautiful. Oh, I lied. There's one more book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you I'm I was really, I'm really savoring the semi-magical librarian and non-magical himbo uh, pitch there. I'm real. I'm savoring that one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um. So basically. There's this beautiful, perfect book called She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. It's essentially Mulan meets the Song of Achilles. It's just like, if you want angst, if you want anguish, if you want to have your heart ripped out and served to you on a platter and have it done so beautifully that you ask for seconds, you have to read this book. It's an alternate history about the origins of the Ming dynasty, starring a genderqueer main character who steals her brother's identity. She uses uh, she, her pronouns, but does not identify as a woman for those listening. And um, so she steals her brother's identity and his fate of greatness to make her way in 14th century China. There's action, there's romance, there's war, there's intrigue. It's epic. Like, if Sarah, maybe if you could put like a cool reverb behind my voice and editing <laughs> when I say that it's epic, that would that would really help me if you could there do that. Let me see what I've got here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's epic. It's beautiful. The angst, the anguish. There's one point where she stands between two armies and you're just like, I think you read it and you just go, ah, the whole time. It's gorgeous. And like, Mulan meets the song of Achilles. What more could you want? All right. So I do have a question. How are you planning book promotion in the coming year? What are some of the things that you were thinking of doing? And you don't have to give away all your secrets because I know that everyone is really struggling with limited bandwidth to be as creative as possible in both unlimited access, but also limited opportunity of venue. 
No, for sure. Well, so I'll, I'll start by saying that, you know, I think my approach to book publicity has always been that it it's not one size fits all. Like a plan that works really well for one book is not going to work really well for another book. And so I, I feel like I've, kind of, and all of us have sort of drilled down on that concept in the past year because it's about playing to the strengths of the authors and the wants of the readers. So that's a really good it, way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like talking about like Kit Roca at the beginning of this podcast, like they are super online. They know where their readers are. They're like, they're really, really well connected and have a lot of friends, both within the romance community and within the the sci-fi fantasy community. So we were able to do um, lots of different book events for them that kind of tailored themselves to different readerships. Um, and I think that was one of the key sort of learnings was that like, you know, in the before times, you could send authors on a tour and be like, yes, tonight you will be in Cincinnati and tomorrow night you will be in California. And the night after that, you'll be in New York City and you will talk to different groups of people there. Um, But now the people in Cincinnati and California and New York City can all go to the same event. So you like, that's not how you, like you can't do two book events that all of those people are going to want to go to because in fact, we're all very tired of zoom events. So like you got to kind of trim it down and have a lot more intent. So is it like tonight you're going to do an event where you're going to talk about um, romance tropes and you're going to be with other romance authors. And that's like where you can really get into the nitty gritty, the 201 and 301 kind of stuff. And, you know, tomorrow night you'll do the same for science fiction, but on, on your launch day, it's going to be just like all about you. You kind of have to find a way to differentiate between all of the, um, all of the different readerships for a book and all of the author's strengths, I think. Oh yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I know it can be really challenging to convince people sometimes to sign on to an evening video conference if their day is spent video conferencing. Like I can tell you there is zero chance that my kids who are doing all of their school through Zoom would want to do one in the evening unless it was a seriously intense um, allure for them. And it's, it's hard to take advantage of the fact that, you know, there's no geographical boundary or, or travel required, but also the opportunities and platforms are, they have limitations. I mean, yeah, they, they fully have limitations. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, book publishing is not, I'll say like the speediest of industries because just functionally (laughs) it takes, it takes a long time to like write a book, edit a book, print a book, get a book to bookstores. Like all of those steps take a lot of time. So right, right. This is why you're working on spring, summer 2021 right now. Well, exactly. And you know, like at the start of the pandemic, we all went into lockdown, but we had all of these tours for months, like months in advance that were booked. And yep. so we had to kind of figure out how to pivot and, the the first few rounds of of those were like okay well a 
a tour, normally you would do like one event a day at least for like a week. So you have seven events in a row. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, like even an author with the most diehard fans is just like, you're going to need a little something more to get people to sign on to yet another Zoom call because that's just, it's so much. Um, So I think that is where, you know, like, that comes into to playing to, to different author strengths. Like Kate Elliott didn't do one event a day. She did like one event a week and um, Kit Roca are still doing events periodically, but they're not like clustered so closely together because you know what? I just really think that like people want to keep going back to their favorite authors. They don't want like a steady stream of them for just one week. Yes. And the the things that people are tuning in for is like you said the um the sort of next level conversations where someone's going to get really into something that is specific to that fandom it's still um for lack of a better word it's still a very uh t- tag specific um opportunity to go in de- in depth into a specific uh topic yeah totally i mean i i will say like shout out to um to Corey Doctorow another author that I worked with this year, he, you know, he's like a cyber tech expert. And um, instead of doing just like a straight up tour, like air quotes, where he did a a virtual event um, every night, he did a lecture series. So every night there was a different topic and he had experts on that topic come and talk with him. And they all related to what was in his book, um, Attack Surface, but they were all very different events. And I know because I have to go to all of these. So like <laughs> I'm the one who sits there every night and, and watches it. And these were all fascinating. Like some authors are really playing to their strengths. And that's what I mean. Like they're thinking like, well, what would make me actually want to be on a video call again? Yeah. Well, shame, shameless plug. Um, the independent bookstore that I worked at, we just started a Twitch channel. Um, and so we're in the process of reaching out to authors to play video games with us and other booksellers. So we've reached out to NK Jemison, um, Angie Thomas, and a few other like YA authors. Um, especially the ones that are like, check out my PS5 <laughs> on Twitter. And we're like, Love your PS5. Love what you're doing. Uh, do you want to come play video games with us? <laughs> so um, we're slowly making the rounds. But right now, me and another bookseller are just playing our way through Portal 2. Um, but we're, we're just like, we want people to have fun. And sometimes it's just like annoying to get back on your computer and just watch people talk at each other some more. Um, yeah, it totally is. So we're trying to like reinvent ways to do like promotion, but also, you know, authors can have a bit more fun. Ooh. I had to mute because there was barking. Oh, there's still <laughs> barking. There is barking in support of uh... of Twitch streams. <laughs> of Twitch streams. They love this idea. They love it. Dogs are known video gamers. <laughs> oh, Zeb loves it. So Amanda and I also Twitch stream on our on the uh, the website's um, Twitch channel, Smart Twitches, which is one of my more joyful <laughs> naming triumphs. I was very proud of that. You cannot take that away from me. Um, I I 
we'll sit and we'll play different games and my dogs love it because I'm on the couch and they can snuggle up next to me and watch. Like they have a really good time. So even the dogs are into the video games. That's so cute. <laughs> so I want to ask another question and I didn't get sent this one in advance. So if you don't have an answer, it's okay and I can take it out. But I'm curious and I'm going to ask all the, the guests that I talked to at the end of the year. What is something that you have learned from 2020? Oh my God. Um, wow. I, you know, I, I feel like there are probably a lot of answers to this, right? Like I think we've all had to reconfigure our lives a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe made us rethink uh, the limits of our capabilities uh, like in, in a really exciting way, you know, like for such a long time, publishing, for example, was like very firmly based in New York, very firmly, you have to come into the office to do this. And now that this has happened, there's a little more flexibility uh, with regards to, to being in the office and with regards to how we do things. And I, I think learning the limits of our capabilities professionally and personally is a, a really nice silver lining to this, um, yeah. to this whole pandemic. But I think personally, the thing that I've learned is just um, the importance of boundaries. Oh, because, just like, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause like, you know, it's like living in quarantine is like, you start to inhabit this liminal space between like, like, like even just like the way the, the virus works, like you never know if you have it really. So like you're in this, like, maybe I'm sick, maybe I'm not, I'm not, it's not technically work hours, but I could be working and I should be working, but also maybe I shouldn't because my brain needs a break. Um, maybe I should be reading a book for work right now, but I can't because I'm thinking about 10,000 different things, you know, like it really, it makes you realize the importance of setting boundaries and um, structuring your life in a way that works for you and kind of like the importance of personalizing things. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think before this, we all were like on similar schedules. We're like, well, you know, we, we wake up and we do our morning routine and then we commute and we go to work and we do our nine to five and then we come home and we make dinner. And, you know, there are a few variations among that, uh, mm -hmm. but it was largely the same. And now I think people are like, well, I'm actually not a morning person, but I'm going to like structure my routine in a way that I'm still like fulfilling all of my obligations while maybe being a little kinder to myself. And, you know, it's, it's weird to say that good things come out of this like horrible, horrible pandemic, but I think there have been some good learnings. And that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I'm curious, what books are you looking forward to this year from any person, any publisher? And out of curiosity, what virtual events did you really enjoy in the past year? I would really love to know. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a message at 1201-371-3272. You can also tell me a bad joke. You know, I love those. Or you can join us Tuesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Stereo. If you liked last week's episode, that's pretty much what it's like. 
can join us for a live podcast after party. You can record messages and we'll play them on the air and you can listen to us live, but only on the Stereo app. So go to Stereo.com slash smartbitches to get started. If you're feeling a little lonely or you have reached your limit with the quarantines like I have, please come hang out with us. We promise we'll probably be talking about food and books and almost certainly about books and food. Plus, we talk about video games and what's keeping us happy amid the never-ending quarantines. We would love to hear from you in our next broadcast, especially if you want to tell us about a book you're reading. Join us Tuesday nights, 7.30 Eastern at Stereo.com slash SmartBitches. That's Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Stereo.com slash SmartBitches. We will have links to all of the different things we talked about, and we will have links to all of the books we talked about in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. And all of these books are entered into the database by Amanda, who is amazing. So thank you, Amanda. And thank you to Garlic Knitter for this week's transcript. I always end with a terrible joke. And I am scrolling through my show notes to make sure that I haven't forgotten anything, because... I like to get to the joke part, and I get so excited, sometimes I forget. I have to go back and edit things in. But nope, I didn't forget. It's joke time. This joke comes to me from Fibrobabe on Twitter. Hello, Fibrobabe. What do you get when the sunrise bends over? What do you get when the sunrise bends over? The crack of dawn. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Fibrobabe. Listen, if you just want to tell me bad jokes on any and all forms of social media, please do. They make me so happy. And I know you tell these jokes to other people, just spreading the joy around because you're wonderful, wonderful humans. On behalf of all of us here, have a great weekend with lots and lots and lots of good books. We will be back next week with yet another podcast, this time an extra long, extra special edition with Sarah J. Mass. Shh, don't tell. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs>